0: Strange things are afoot at the Circle kid. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't done hurt. Is my boomstick? Game over, man.
1: Game over.
0: Welcome to the bargain bin. He is your host, Ben Mason, and he is your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking 2018's. You might be the killer. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the film. Um, I had only seen this once before, Sandro, but with a cast including Fran Kranz and Allison Hannigan, I kind of thought that's something that you should probably see. I don't see why that is the point. Uh, Fran Kranz, he's our boy. Yeah, okay. That's one you got. All right. (laughs) And who doesn't love Allison Hannigan? Okay, fine. That's two. You get them and, both. And it's a it's a horror comedy, which most times are enjoyable. Most I, times. Yes. Had you uh, had you ever heard of this movie? I know no. you hadn't seen it. No. Title hadn't even crossed my mind. No. It's an interesting title, though. It's this this movie was definitely swept under the rug intentionally, I believe. Why? I, I don't know. It didn't even get like a limited theatrical release, it, what? it yeah it hit a couple film festivals and then went directly to Shutter and then shortly after that hit DVD and Blu-ray. All yeah, right then, yeah. Well, Ben, yes.
1: So let's, uh, let's address the elephant in the room here. This Go is for. our season two finale. It is at the blood- time of this episode being posted, we'll have been doing this podcast for. Two years.
0: Well, the day after. How does, how does that make you feel? Old. Yeah. <laughs> Think about all the shit I made you watch. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it's crazy doing a lot of the graphics work for, you know, the stuff that I've been posting on social media and stuff to celebrate the two year anniversary. I don't know if it's just my memory or my age or whatever. I
0: look it up and I'm like, we did that movie? Oh my god. <laughs> the amount of times I've picked a movie for the following week and then looked back and like, oh, we already covered that. It, uh, countless.
1: Oh man. It really makes you question the uh, uh, award categories of most memorable because we ain't remembering anything. We don't remember <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, so I guess before we get into the movie and just to, to kind of tie up before we start season three next week. Literally, I have nothing else to say, but just thank you to to you for being a fantastic host, for taking me on this journey with you. To anybody who can call themselves a fan or a listener or just accidentally clicked on one of our episodes before, thank you. That's like, we do this podcast because we want to have fun And we want to have a reason to get into these discussions every week. But I'd be lying if the increase in viewership and the kind words and just all of the like recognition that started to pile up doesn't help and put a smile on my face.
0: It's absolutely amazing. It's so nice to see. Hopefully anybody listening is having a fun time, getting a bit of info or just, you know, a chuckle here or there. Uh, We try and cover a lot of movies that people wouldn't really hear about just, you know, in their regular day. Um, But yes, thank you everybody for, for listening. Sandro, thank you so much for these past two years. It's been a blast. I know I've put you through hell sometimes. (laughs) I've put myself through hell sometimes. Honestly, our guests have put us through hell sometimes. But uh, a a massive thank you to everybody who's been involved in one way or another.
1: (laughs) We've put our guests through hell sometimes. And
0: we'll keep doing it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently nobody is safe. (laughs) Stop that. I want to get
1: guests back on the show again. All right. So enough of that mushy stuff. Because this isn't the end by any means. Um, Yeah, you really, really made it sound like we're on our way out there. oh you more than me man
0: fair enough any anyway you want to play a game yes the game this should be an easy one i believe
1: uh yeah it should be so i'm not even gonna give you any precursors go ahead
0: all right so we have fran kranz yes sir who we have seen in two previous episodes i believe correct uh blood sucking bastards correct which, again, if anybody missed that episode, go check it out. And if they don't want to do that, I highly recommend watching the movie. And Sandra's favorite movie we've covered, Cabin in the Woods. <sighs> it
1: uh, is far <laughs> from my favorite and
0: far from my least favorite, but you know what you're doing. Uh, and I, it's weird to even bring this one up, but it'd have to be Keith David, right? Correct. And yeah. he's really not even in this movie. No, that's why when I
1: when I was discussing, or like discussing, thinking about how I'm going to present this week's game, I'm like, do I say like one and a half? That's going to be too much of a giveaway. Is that really fair? But I figured you were going to get it anyway, so.
0: Yeah, and he, I think we only covered him in They Live. Mm-mm, no. And The Thing. Correct. Correct. Oh, Both of
1: them. I, I forgot The Thing. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is going back really far into season one. Yeah. Um, but both of these actors are making their, quote unquote, third appearance in this movie. Uh, and yeah, obviously, because Keith David doesn't really appear in the movie. wonder how much he made for like... I don't know. Maybe he's related to somebody and he was just like, yeah, I'll do one voice recording, whatever. Leave me alone. It's got to be a favor. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about this movie that I can never seem to get the title right for.
0: <laughs> yes, you might be the killer. You just might be the murderer. Twice. The film opens with Sam, uh, Fran Kranz, who's fantastic, absolutely fantastic in everything, uh, screaming in a forest, intercut with flashes of people being stabbed, and then he comes to rest on... Uh, a summer camp cabin. Um, okay. It's a way to grab you at the very beginning. Yes. But as the bloodied Sam runs to the cabin, there's like intertitle scenes that give us a tally of dead counselors, which is so far, quote, a lot. Um, it's bad. You know, you know I'm going to talk about this, right? Yeah. I'm going to talk about it too. Like, go ahead. There's this movie's already got issues and we're a few seconds in.
1: It's been well-documented on this show, how much I dislike the whole, and then earlier jumping Mm -hmm. to a different time. Um, It can be done well. And I will say, I do like how they're not using timestamps, but rather death stamps. Yes. In order to get you to piece it together but I still don't like it. (laughs) Like this might be one of the better examples of it. And obviously it does get you jumping right in, but let's not kid ourselves. Like the movie title gives away what's going to be happening, or at least is presumably happening. You don't need to do jump cuts
0: um, to different times in this situation. No, you don't. And it's done way too frequently in this movie. And while, yeah, it's a nice little bit of originality in doing so, it, it's overused to the point where it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Although I will back up what you said. Frank Krantz is fantastic. <laughs> I, th- I thought there was there was more to that. But yeah, no, he is. And he, <laughs> I he was thinking pro- about it. <laughs> he, 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 he proves it even in this movie. Uh, uh, I mean, some of the I don't. In, he just has to go all out. And if you aren't a good actor, the scenes would be garbage. I don't
1: think I've seen too much of his stuff outside of what we've done for the podcast. But like so far, he's three for three. And I'm going to say this now. His performance fighting with himself is, in my opinion, and I could be wrong because I'm not an actor myself something that's very hard to do, or at least I had imagined to do. You know, like yes, It is. Doing a physical act of fighting yourself while also trying to say, like, play the facial expressions, it's like what we saw in Upgrade, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, perfect comparison.
1: It is an underrated talent because I don't know how much you actually have to use it in movies, and I think Devin Sawa did a fantastic job of it as well in Idle Hands. But being able to use facial expressions and body gestures to almost show off two different like entities or drives or possessions is tough to do. And Frank Krantz nails it
0: in this movie. And that is something we'll get to closer to the end of the film. But I do want to say one thing in that one scene, you realize how much special effects really help a scene like that. Uh, Like minor visual effects, but sound editing really really helps like you see the like the one shot of him with the visual effects the sound editing the uh the fear and the struggle he's having trying not to put the mask on and then it cuts to another counselor watching it happen and it's just deadpan shot no effects whatsoever and it it's incredibly comedic so yeah i'd say frank kranz is amazing doing what he's doing but it goes to show just how much small tweaks can beef up a performance
1: Yeah, he is a consistent highlight in this uh, movie in its entirety, and I apologize for derailing us so much. No, it's fine.
0: Very valid point.
1: (laughs) It was going to come up at some
0: time anyway. (laughs) Might as well just do it now, get it over with. Um, Once inside the cabin, he tries to call his friend Chuck, but the amount of blood on him won't allow his facial recognition to unlock the phone. I like that. I I like that, too. I got a chuckle
1: out of that. And then he even realizes it and wipes some of the blood off his face, and it still doesn't get it. And then he's just like, oh, gathers himself and puts on a fake smile. Because this <laughs> character in general is a happy-go-lucky character. And it's like, yeah, that's what the phone's going
0: to recognize. Yeah. Right away, I was like, this is not bad. Oh, just you wait. Uh, cut to Rings of Saturn, where Chuck, played by Allison Hannigan, works. Uh, she answers the phone call from the Panic Sam, and we get... Uh, a mild exposition dump. That is. So, this is
1: just Jamie Kennedy's character from Scream, right?
0: More or less, yeah. Yeah. Much
1: prettier, yes. but it's the character.
0: I love Allison Hannigan, and I think she's perfect for the role of Chuck.
1: I think we both love her, and it's going to be a bit of a bias, but sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> most likely. Um, Sam went off the grid and was running uh, his family summer camp. But it's only been two days and things obviously are not going well. Um, little little thing I noticed off to the side. Uh, Chuck's mug is a horror mug with the quote. We all go a little mad sometimes on it. I love okay. it. I want, want one of those. It's just a quote from Psycho and that was reused in Scream. Um,
1: so let's talk about the Rings of Saturn store that she works in. I love that store. It it seems awesome. It seems like the kind of store I would go to. It's got board games and comic books and movies and just, like, all of that stuff that I like. And and you're going to have to help me with this because there's so many scenes where she'll, like, walk by a row of, um, like, end caps for shelving units. And there's, like, posters on them. Are these real? Are they made up? Are they references to other things? Because, like, I'm stopping it and watching it. And I don't know it well enough, but I'm like, are there any references here that I should be getting?
0: Not really, no. Um, oh, boo. Yeah, I know. I wish. One seemed familiar to me, but I couldn't track anything down about it.
1: Because well, at one point they're having a, a conversation, and it's almost like she like takes a focused look at one of the posters. It's like starving or starvation or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then she gets an idea, and I'm like, I don't see the relation here unless this movie is supposed to be a reference to something that I'm not getting.
0: Um, the the writers uh, kind of threw in in-jokes into the script, but in-jokes between just themselves. So yeah, that doesn't I work. Be, I know it doesn't work. It's one of many things that don't work in the script.
1: Then you make me think, oh, am I missing something?
0: Do I need to go look it up? And
1: No, no, it's just there.
0: Um, I, I want to ask you why um, why Sam is calling Chuck? Because Chuck's the expert. Exactly, knowing everything about horror movies.
1: I just said it's the Jamie Kennedy character from Scream.
0: Yeah, but her reaction to almost everyone being dead is minor shock, which I found <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Followed by the acceptance that this kind of thing happens sometimes, especially to camp counselors.
1: I was about to say, you can go back and look at my thoughts on it in our episode of Scream, but Mm -hmm. we didn't have an episode of Scream.
0: (laughs) That was an amazing episode, though. You all missed out.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you can't prove (laughs) (laughs) otherwise. We could tell people until the end of time, it was the greatest episode we ever recorded. But you'll never hear it.
0: It's kind of like Tribute by Tenacious D.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm already loving the tone of this movie.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, hey, aside from the, like, time stamp thingy, whatever you want to call it. In your title or
0: in your text, yeah.
1: Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Although, again, a little bit of points for not using actual times or dates and using a kill count because that Mm -hmm. gives it a uniqueness. I'm enjoying this, okay? There's intrigue as to what's going on. Frank Rance is killing it. The premise is phenomenal. There's a little bit of humor. Like, so far, I have nothing but positive first impressions on the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There is some pretty smart writing here, too. Like, Chuck is quick to bring up that Sam's phone is obviously working, so why not call the police? Like, that's a great point. But then we find out he actually did, but the sheriff is so old and doesn't work nights, so Sam just had to leave a voicemail. (laughs)
1: Is there even towns anymore where the police department doesn't have other people to work like the night shift?
0: <laughs> but th- this is, this is fantastic because they use a joke to cover up a what would be a blatant plot hole. It's like, Correct. why aren't you getting in touch with the police? Well, I tried. Okay. Moving on. Like, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, when questioned how many are dead so far, Sam can't remember and isn't really sure how things got this far. And then, we now really start getting into what I despise about this movie. And that is flashbacks. Okie dokie. As we mentioned, like this is just, it's, it's another one of many, but I actually enjoy this flashback. Uh, It's day as the counselors arrive. Um, Sam explains the rules of the camp. One of them being no phones. Great. Perfect way to uh, get rid of the cell phone. uh, Issue in modern horror films. Uh, it's also a great way for us to meet the characters because they all have to come in, in single file line, put their phone in a in a box, and get their counselor shirts. So we get Carol, Ted, Steve, the Kayak King. Uh, <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm a fan of the Kayak
0: King. I love the Kayak King. <laughs> I would I could have done with more of this guy in the movie. He's great. Uh, we also get Drew, Alice, Heather, Imani, who is Sam's ex, Freddie, Brad, Jamie, and a couple more. Some great lines here, too. Uh, like Imani just stating right up front, look, I don't want to be a whiny bitch. And Freddie cuts her off and goes, oh, might just want to leave it there then.
1: See, and this is, this is a problem that I have with this movie. Oh, really? Okay. Because in this scene, they do such a great job introducing the characters, giving them a very quick flash at
0: their personalities. Yes, they definitely do that.
1: But then... The movie goes in a direction where you never get to explore any of them, yeah. right? The whole thing, I'm like, okay, Freddy is, you know, on uh, Sam's side and he thinks that Imani is a is a, a, like a bitch or whatever, never comes into play, right? Yeah. Like, I'm thinking the Kayak King is maybe too nice to him. Maybe later on he'll be superficial and realize that he's just being nice to his face and really doesn't like him. But like you're building this intrigue and giving these characters a little bit of personal like uh, touches and then you
0: drop it and you never actually explore it or go into it. Yeah, it's a it's a waste and a major disappointment, too, because they do a great job. Like um, even Brad hitting on Imani and Sam just shrugging and like sighing and going, I like, guess I'll have to give that harassment speech after all. Correct. Great.
1: Yeah and then like thank you for introducing a stellar cast to me and I will say this right now I don't think anybody really puts in a bad performance in this movie but why? Uh, not here anyway but then you never explore it so it's That's like just all it. right why why are you tempting me with some personalities to to give it some depth okay
0: awesome yeah. 'Cause like they do a great job of building up the characters with great performances. You want to see more of the characters, and with the exception of another scene or two, maybe, they're fodder and that's it. They're not giving yeah, the well, opportunity. Well, let's,
1: let's touch on that interaction between Freddy and, and Imani though. That never comes up.
0: No, it doesn't. It's just it's it allows us to um uh I was thinking, sorry, I was thinking Brad. And Imani, um, because that all that does later is set it up so Sam doesn't like Brad.
1: Yeah, which that's it. okay. I don't need a setup for that. That's fine. I mean, Brad's is a very superficial. He thinks Imani looks good, and he makes comments about that. Yep. But there's other stuff that's like a bit of an undertone to it, and you don't explore it.
0: No. I love uh, for the, Imani's character, too, how like she's such a straight-up, I-don't-give-a-fuck character. She just changes into her camp shirt in front of everybody. And, like, that—that that is her personality. Through, and through She is very direct, to the point. I don't care what you think. This is what I think. This is what I'm doing. Like, great. And, I mean, I think she might be one of the only secondary characters who maintains that throughout the movie. A personality? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, to an extent. <sighs> okay. Um, but Chuck goes about uh, her routine of stocking shelves while Sam's freaking out on the phone now in present time. Um, describing the killer, uh, great references from Chuck. How like Sam's like talking about uh, it's uh the hideous and ugly. She's like Freddie Ugly or Matt Cordell Ugly. Pause, because even I had to take a, a second to think about that too. And then she's like, maniac cop. And to me, this makes her better than Randy Meeks when it comes to the know-it-all horror reference. Uh, I Also, that's another minor thing about the story. I love how the store's membership card is called the Serial Slasher Card. Give me that. Sam begins hearing voices and notices that somebody is pouring gasoline outside of the cabin door. The gas is ignited. Sam hangs up, kicks a hole in the wall, and escapes into the woods. Uh, But here we encounter the killer. And did you want to describe... The look um wooden
1: mask zip up sweater it, it's pretty
0: plain I think yeah. the most character is in the weapon it is but before we get to the weapon the look it's just Sam with a mask on yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you can now get might out of the title and also that mask, which it look, is carved from a, a tree, looks like the mask from the movie The Mask. And I could never I, stop I thought so, that. too. At least, obviously, when it's not animated. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you brought up the, the weapon. What do you think of the weapon's design?
1: I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, I don't see any reason why that weapon would
0: exist I think it, it looks incredibly stupid, and I hate like, it.
1: Like, you know what I mean? Like, Jason uses a machete. We know machetes; they're around, but like this killer would have had to specifically fashion this weapon. It's not the kind of thing that would just be on a store shelf, right?
0: No, it's a a, a machete with a modified alligator skull and teeth clamped on the top of the blade. So I was thinking about functionality too, because like once you swing and hit something. Those alligator teeth are stopping you from going more than, like, an inch into it. But
1: maybe I was I mean, looking too much into They could also that. do a lot more damage because they're separating, but that requires more power. And yeah. I don't know. Do they actually imply that the mask gives him additional strength? Or is it just literally manipulating his actions?
0: I thought it did. And that's because there's a scene later on where Sam, with the mask on, kicks his way out of a tool shed. But here, without the mask on, he just kicks his way out of a cabin anyway. Yeah. I think it's
1: more just like in that scene that you're referring to with the tool shed. It's like It was just the mentality that he didn't want to kick himself out of the side of the tool shed before he put the mask on. So if he doesn't have extra power, people should be messing him up. He doesn't seem like the strongest guy.
0: He seems to have faster reflexes. And that's about it. Yeah, we're overanalyzing. Yeah, you're right. This movie doesn't deserve it. Um, Sam runs away and breaks into another cabin. Uh, Chuck calls him back, and (laughs) he yells at her for blowing up his phone while he's hiding from a killer. But it shut down immediately when she tells him he should just put it on silent.
1: Yeah, I love that. First piece of advice, (laughs) put your phone (laughs) on silent. And, of course, Frank Krantz is like, yeah, of course I thought of that. And then... (laughs) I mean, even just the way that he acts like he's fumbling with the
0: phone to put it on silent. He's so good. He's great. And I want to say the best thing about this movie is the interaction between these two.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Um, Yeah. Smart move on Chuck's part is the suggestion to look at the different guys at the camp and try and figure out who makes the most sense as a killer. Um, Another flashback now. And the death of one of our favorites Steve, the Kayak King, counselors all look to Sam to come up with a plan. And he's trying to, but he's having the worst time trying not to vomit. And again, this is more comedic gold. And He's
1: fantastic in this, but why are these people turning to a guy who can barely keep it together to be
0: like, what's the plan? Well, I think it's <laughs> the immediate reaction of he's the boss. What do we do? I think the employment hierarchy goes out the window once dead bodies start cropping up. Maybe so. Uh, it could be fight or flight, but I think a lot of people, too, are too scared to take uh, take the lead. Well, Probably when they encounter somebody who's been violently murdered. So, they're just going to pass the buck, and that gets to the person who's in charge. Um, but this time, Brad actually takes the lead, and the plan is get the cell phones and call the police. But... The phones are missing. We just well, get that because reference. they were, Pardon? yeah. Pardon. We just we get that in passing. The phones are gone. That's yeah. we do not have to worry about that plot point anymore. Uh, how about hop say, in the car to escape? I wouldn't say in passing, but yeah, it is kind of in passing.
1: How I mean, is it they not? Make a whole scene out of it. They even make a reference to nobody else knows the combination to the lock except it's his birthday. So any number of them could have, and then. When he did get the phones, what did he do with them? Are they in his backpack?
0: What's I don't know. On? That's what I'm saying. Like, okay, you 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 pointed out that it is referenced a couple of times, but with zero reason. Um, like I said, hop in a car to escape. The engine's been sabotaged, so that doesn't work. Um, Jamie wants to barricade everyone in one cabin, but Brad wants to take the fight to the killer, so everyone splits into two groups. We have the traps, which are a pit. To be filled with stakes, a trip line booby trap for defense, a patrol path for offense, and stakes for that aforementioned pit. True. Now, I find these intertexts are completely detracting from the movie now. Before they were kind of annoying, and now they're just frustrating. Uh, being self aware is fine in this movie. That's okay. I get that. I have fun with those movies. But I feel like the movie is not goofy enough to match the level of use of these. Like well, I
1: mean, they're just trying to show that this is a high-stakes situation.
0: Oh, that's a bad one, but right. nice, nice attempt. Like this, this kind of overuse of intertexts, I could see in like scary movie or something along those lines. No, no, <laughs> this this is too even clever for a scary
1: movie. Yeah, I mean, we All started right. on that series.
0: Um. Sam sees Freddie and Lindsay having an argument in the woods. Uh, This is when he hears voices again, and the killer appears. Both counselors are dispatched of, and Sam makes a break for it. Cut back to present time. Again, I hate this time job stuff. Uh, Chuck asks Sam why the killer didn't get him, then asks the follow-up question of, is Sam covered in blood? Yes, very much so. This man is caked in it. Yes. and She brings up a great point of If he was just a witness to the murders he saw, why is he the one covered in blood? He's a
1: very close witness.
0: Yes, as he states. Uh, She asks if he's holding a weapon of any type, and he's like, yeah, a baseball bat. But no, it's the machete we talked about. And uh, she points out that that knife sounds exactly like the one he said the killer was carrying. And fine. I still can't get over how stupid that blade looks, though. (laughs) I guess it is the little things that really annoy me in this movie there's just so many of them Uh, Chuck finally has to ask are are you sure you're not the killer and Sam hesitantly admits he can't be 100% sure it turns Uh, out I'm still into this movie I am but I'm I'm getting kind of nervous turns out all to be linked to a mask that Sam just happens to have in his backpack And then we get another flashback of obsessed Sam killing. Uh, I find it annoyingly convenient, Sandro, how the mask only sometimes calls to Sam and none of that's ever really explained. No. Uh, they, They pretty much acknowledge every other trope in this movie but this. So we've got a script that, you know, we're almost halfway into this movie. And has some pretty clever dialogue and plot hole cover-ups. But then it's just lacking in areas that are expected, that are pretty much mandatory to be in your film.
1: Well, one of my issues, too, is earlier in the movie, I don't know how much earlier, I guess, whatever, he keeps having these headaches. Yeah. But then later it's just voices of the mask calling him like, well, which is a like, be consistent with this.
0: Yeah. Inconsistency in this movie is a major issue. And I would also argue structure of the film. Um, the origin story of what's going on, you know, normally if you're not going to do that at the beginning, that's the twist at the end here, they're going to end up putting it like three quarters of the way through. And you're like, well, okay, why now? It just raises more questions than adds to the film. Um, Sam finally accepts the fact that he is indeed the killer and he has no idea what he's doing until the mask comes off. Another question for you, Sandro. All right. What makes the mask off? What, why? Like the mask will just come off. It's not every time he kills somebody. Is it timed? Is the mask like, well, I've had enough of this for now. It just, he passes out and the mask comes off, which we never actually see the mask come off. It just cuts to Sam later and he's no longer wearing it. Do you think this was intentional? Do you think it has any right to be this way in the story? Is it missing something? How would you change it if you wanted to? It's stupid. I would change the whole thing. Yeah, me too. So uh, the, the script was written in like three weeks, I think. It feels like it was written in maybe three days.
1: Honestly, if you want to play up the whole thing where he doesn't know what's going on, make it that he passes out. For whatever reason, he faints, uh, he sees blood, he faints, whatever. And that's the only time that the mask can take control of his body. And he is literally unconscious in the mask. Mm -hmm. Then it makes sense. Oh, he becomes conscious. The mask loses its control and it falls off.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just something. Give me give me some reason for these transitions to occur.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, when, when discussing Who's Left Alive, uh, it's obvious that Chuck is jealous of Imani. Which seems weird because Sam and Chuck come across as only friends. And it's never really referenced again. Nope. So at least get Alison Hannigan in the movie more and and in an alternate ending of a script anyways never filmed she does show up at the camp and I would have liked to seen that not
1: me no my my whole idea was uh, I'm going to jump ahead again because that seems to be what I do that's fine I would have loved it if she was so jealous of Imani that she used these books she had in the
0: cellar to put this in motion that would have been great. Honestly, that would have been so much better than the ending we get. But my my ending, and it's never stated in anything I saw other than she was supposed to show up at the camp. She shows up at the camp. There's now two final girls. Sam kills um, Jamie. And then Chuck has to kill Sam. Tie this up. Just tie the whole thing up actually have them interact on screen, which I thought was... It was horribly missing. I, and I really wanted to see that. I would love to see the screen chemistry with those two because they're never on set together. Alison Hannigan shot all her stuff in two days and I don't know how long the actual filming was at uh, in uh, in Louisiana, but... I don't know. i just like to see that chemistry, see if it actually transitions to the screen. Plus, I think that's a much better ending than the one we get.
1: Well, or if you're not going to do... Either of those don't hint at that jealousy or a relationship yes. beyond friends.
0: Yeah, there's no point to it. It's frustrating because that made me hope that we were going to get more, even more character development for Chuck, which doesn't really happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, when it, when it's revealed that she is jealous, uh, Sam's re- simple reaction is, "Can we just go talk ba- or go back to talking about me killing people?" He is that wants no part of that. Nope. And that again is like why I love the dynamic between them. I'm just, it, the whole thing frustrates me from this point on. Uh, Sam now remembers killing Imani and retreated to another flashback. This time, the previous summer, when Sam and Imani were having a fling, she wanted to keep it that way, but he thought it was more. And, you know, this is happier times between the two. It was a great scene with the two of them. And I mean, you throw in the Kayak King and you're going to love the scene anyway.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when. When she tricks him into thinking she's going to kiss him and throws him into the lake, and then the Kayak King's like, all right, children, we're all going to point and
0: laugh at Sam because he fell in the water. (laughs) I was like, this guy's great. I also love how this is the second time he makes sure everybody knows that they're not kayaks, they're canoes.
1: I like how they imply that Sam uh, Sam is the only one because the Kayak King doesn't say it in this scene. He asks the kids, all right, children, and what are these? And they're all like, canoes. It's like, yes, these children get it, and Sam doesn't.
0: Yeah. He even has to, like, he's like, that's right. These are not kayaks. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sam tries to burn the mask, but he feels the physical effects from it on his face. Why? Uh, Because the mask is imprinted on him. Why? Just because, Sandro.
1: Honestly, in this situation, to me, and you can disagree if you want to me, that's completely stupid. Um, completely and utterly stupid. Just make it that it won't burn. Yeah. It's as it's long an as it evil has, entity. It doesn't burn.
0: As long as it has that tie to him and it can make him hear voices, just make it indestructible.
1: Yeah. They do a better job of it in the mask when he's yeah. trying to get rid of it and then he just keeps turning around and is there again.
0: Like when uh, Jim Carrey is... Um, Stanley Ipkiss just throws it out the window of his apartment and it boomerangs back in and lands on his couch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brad and Jamie are on the hunt for Sam. Uh, He takes off and hides in the shower cabin. I... It just... It it becomes so muddled from here. Uh, Chuck asks about Sam's earliest memories from when this started and we get another flashback. He kills two counselors skinny dipping at the pool. I forget who these two are. And uh, two more at the mess hall. And this is where we get the first bit of why didn't you just take the mask off? Now, I feel like this is a little late in the movie to start bringing up this question. (laughs) Because we we see that he can't. Um, The last kill apparently made Sam aware of what he was doing, but he couldn't take the mask off. Why? and that's yeah well why did that long, kill and that's why he killed the uh, kayak king
1: so what? so two kills from characters that we weren't even really introduced to yeah somehow made him more aware as opposed to have him just kill the kayak king first and that be the one that makes himself aware because there's an implied connection to their friendship yeah these are just two people trying to find snacks
0: because yeah, like the rundown of the death so far would be Actually, you know what? I'll get to it later because one of these people haven't died yet. But yes, the the two people he murders in the mess hall are the two right before he kills the kayak king. By the way, do you know who Carol is? Uh no.
1: Uh like the act actress that plays Carol?
0: Olivia Brown? No.
1: Yeah. She is um, the stunt double for Tori in Cobra Kai. Oh, really? Yeah. I looked it up on IMDb. She's listed as stunt double for Peyton List.
0: Huh. That's a nice little connection. Yeah. If uh, nobody caught this in another mention anywhere in any other episode, Sandra and I marathoned all of Cobra Kai. Big fans. Check it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there, that's a. There's no more to it than that. That's yeah. literally it. Just.
0: <laughs> uh, Chuck brings up a really good point here, of, you found an evil mask and you put it on. What in God's name did you think would happen? Great question. Well, I
1: mean, he didn't, but yeah, we didn't yeah. see that yet because what? that flashbacks not for a while.
0: No, I know, and that comes up in conversation again. But instead, Sam just says, "I don't need your judgment right now, Chuck." Um, I think it's good because this is how friends would actually talk. And like I said, the chemistry between the two, it's it's very organic, but doesn't exist anywhere else in the film. Uh, But we're in luck because it's another flashback, Sandro. Yay! We learn how Sam found the mask. Finally, the origins here. Stories around the campfire lead to the telling of an urban legend involving the campgrounds. Apparently many years ago, a dark spirit was causing people to murder each other, and a Cajun medicine man trapped the spirit in the tree. This is all over the fucking place. Uh, And then the horrors stopped. But years later, a woodcarver chopped the tree down to use for furniture and toys for the kids, but that day he was compelled to carve a mask. Fine. Chuck immediately calls him out for putting on the mask while knowing the legend. So continuing this legend, the woodcarver kept having nightmares, He decided to go out and burn the mask. While preparing to do so, he heard voices telling him to put the mask on. That night, he killed everyone in the village except one girl who killed him with an axe. To this day, the mask has never been found but is buried at the woodcarver's unknown grave. Which is a decent campfire story. I get that. I've never actually been able to partake in uh, campfire stories. I was never a summer camp kid, even though I wanted to be. Um, Did you ever... Ever tell ghost stories and whatnot around a campfire no so maybe this whole thing is lost on us but I really enjoyed it uh, what found what I found really stupid though is how giddy this made all of the counselors so they just get up and run into the woods to find the mask it's yeah. a legend obviously it turns out to be true but how old are these people I don't know 50
1: yeah.
0: well mm, come on now. I'm guessing 20s, varying levels in the 20s. This is completely unrealistic. No. Much so, like the movie. I mean, I can't you know, find them guilty for that, but it just doesn't really seem to fit. I did not partake
1: in campfire stories, as you had suggested. But if I heard one of these, my first reaction would be like, oh, that must be real. Let's go look for it. Exactly.
0: Especially running off into the forest at night.
1: Especially after, like, the jump scare from the Kayak King right after. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you were setting us up. Yeah. Why would I pursue this as a real thing?
0: And I, I do have to say there is one thing I I did get out of the flashbacks that I enjoyed. And that's okay. the opportunity to see the Kayak King again. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. He doesn't really do anything, but his, like... He's just such a happy guy. Like he can't help but smile when he's on screen.
1: Yeah. He's got a presence.
0: Yeah. Um, Somehow Sam and Drew stumble upon the grave, but Sam knew exactly where the grave was yet. Somehow didn't know the mask was there.
1: Yeah. I had a real problem with this too, because he like, obviously Drew tricks him into going to the grave by saying, she'll meet him there. And, you know derpy derpy derp he goes there and leads her to it and he does mention like yeah yeah, like i've been here many times his family owns the place that's not surprising but this mask is like an inch under some brush it's not buried deep at all if you've been here a number of times i find it difficult to believe that you didn't find this mask before and that's where my second ending starts coming together
0: yeah. The the little effort it took to uncover the mask, it was leaves and a bit of topsoil. If that had been there for years, a single rainfall would have washed all that away.
1: Yes. So when he says, I've been here many times in order to suggest that he knows where it is to, to not have found the mask, makes me start thinking, oh, it was planted there.
0: Yeah. That would make more sense, but no. And what, what is the deal with Drew? Like I don't know. The very beginning, she she's flirting. Well, the very beginning. The day the counselors arrived, she's heavily flirting with Sam. And like here as well. That's it, though. Well well, yeah, because, because she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But I can tell you why the flirting stopped, my friend. Yes, but <laughs> Sam's character wants nothing to do with it. So all of the character we get from Drew is that she likes Sam. That's her entire character. Uh, Next, we get the reveal that Sam wearing the mask is actually Drew's fault. Hence, why the flirting stopped, as you said, because she was the first victim. Correct. So far, the orders of the deaths that we have drew the skinny dippers who i think were ted and allison Uh, i don't think it matters yeah i really don't the the two in the kitchen uh the kayak king uh freddie and Lindsay, and imani
1: Uh, can can i just say though uh fred's death at the pool is probably my favorite one in the movie
0: really yeah it's pretty good actually
1: yeah They even cut to Chuck, eh, cut. They cut to Chuck, and she's like, oh, you split his head in two. Like, it's just, it's, it's, in my opinion, the most entertaining one. Like, they try to get a little bit creative with it. Later, he just bashes Carol's head with the fridge door. Yes. Obviously, the Kayak King one is a little bit more grandiose for display purposes, Mm -hmm. but that split
0: is pretty entertaining. You're right. It is probably the best looking one. I, I'll going back to what you said too about Chuck. She's not weirded out by this. She's more like, "Stop digging yourself in deeper." Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird, a weird character.
1: <laughs>
0: Can we say that Ted had a splitting headache? Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad someone's laughing, even if it is the person who made the joke.
1: Hey, was it Allie
0: who yeah, was standing so. next to it? Yeah. She enjoyed it. I don't understand what your reference is there.
1: Well, the image left her so that the next thing, she was just breathless.
0: <laughs> Fine, Sandro. <laughs> God damn <laughs> it. You know, the show's been getting better over the years, but your jokes <laughs> are getting well wo- so much worse.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with that. I had a concussion a couple weeks ago.
0: I think I'm still coming off of that. Oh, yeah. It's showing, bud. Um, Sam recounts uh, Imani's death. Oh, wait, no. Before that, Chuck informs Sam that he's most likely going to die. But like most killers, he'll probably come back from the dead in in a few years. Like, that's a brilliant joke. It, it's true. It's exactly what happens in supernatural horror films. Sam recounts Amani's death, where everybody's split up with Sam trying to use himself as bait for the killer. Of course, the mask takes over and things do not go as planned. Now, we see Freddie and Lindsay die again. This is the is third time. Is it Freddy time. and Lindsay? I can't, I don't but, know which ones. I believe it's Freddie and Lindsay, but this is the third time we've seen them die. And again, I, I know I've said it before, actually twice. So, here, third time. It's kind of suiting. We recap everything in this movie too frequently.
1: We yeah, don't. You know, you could have done a very, very brief, quick montage of a bunch of the scenes showing that Sam wasn't actually standing where he was in all of these scenes and do it as one quick take, not do it multiple times.
0: Exactly. This movie is a little bit more than an hour and a half, and I think it we're getting a lot of- long. Yes. It feels long. It feels padded. really long. So heavily padded. I think if you were smart, you could re-edit this down to a short film and it would be flawless. Uh, and that's really frustrating. Well, maybe not I flawless, disagree. but it would be much, much better. Uh, I think that
1: the biggest issue would still be there.
0: Uh, I'm curious to know what you think that is. The ending yeah that's fine Imani tries to lure Sam into the stake pit but instead gets choked out and thrown in the pit herself and this is one of many times where Sam blacks out only to wake up, where wake up, sorry wake up without the mask on and he sees Imani's corpse which brings us back to the very beginning of the movie again I, at this point I'm just angry Um, Chuck warns Sam about Jamie. She's the final girl now and will be the one who kills him.
1: Uh, I wanted to mention the girl that dies after Imani quote-unquote dies. Go for it. I don't remember her name (laughs) because I don't think it's relevant. But the blonde girl (laughs) who earlier was saying that her future plans were to just marry a rich guy. Oh, yeah. Seeing Imani get thrown into the pit decides that her best course of action is to shout Imani so that, you know, draw attention to herself yeah, and then run head first at Sam for him to slice her head off. Mm-hmm. Like, what was your plan here?
0: Well, she's a very stupid character. That's already established.
1: But like, again, it's
0: too goofy. It's too goofy for this movie.
1: You want to see how to do, like, Stupid kills. Go watch Tucker and Dale. Right, like
0: yeah, exactly.
1: This is literally just somebody running headfirst at the guy.
0: It's it is quite dumb. Much like Sam's idea to jump on the mask to smash it.
1: (laughs) Okay, this is a completely stupid idea because it pays off. He couldn't he couldn't set it on fire, so he he's like, I have an idea. And I'm sitting here thinking, he's going to have some grandiose idea. It's going to be genius. He's going to get rid of the mask. And it's literally to just try and put the boots to the mask. (laughs) Which, of course, knocks him over and does nothing. Oh, it's great. (laughs) His feet just slide off of it
0: and he face plants.
1: (laughs) And this is where we get some of his uh, uh, um, more physical acting that I think is just
0: phenomenal. His physical comedy is great. And this is where the mask calls to him again while he's on the ground. And it's all of him struggling not to put it on. Uh, he does great. I I can't really think of many actors who I believe could pull this off. But then again, I guess how many have I seen really try? But this is Kranz being used perfectly in the role.
1: Yeah, I think the only people that I saw having this type of fighting with themselves acting against themselves were the two examples I brought up in Upgrade and Idle Hands. Um, yeah. Beyond that, it's not used too often, to my knowledge.
0: Um, I think the only time I've seen a be- seen it be- or done better, sorry, is um, uh, Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead Two.
1: Oh, well, I guess there's also Jim Carrey in The Mask, which we referenced earlier today too. Mm, yeah. Here I mean, going there. for a
0: different style entirely, though. Yeah. Brad rushes Sam with a bat, but by the time he reaches him, Sam already has the mask on and easily kills Fred. I kind of dug this kill, too. Completely Uh, unrealistic, but the single slash that lops off both of uh, Brad's arms. It had a very similar feeling
1: to the blonde girl in that okay, yes, Brad has a weapon and it's his hands that
0: get cut off, but like... He was trying to. He was running at him with a reason, at least.
1: Yeah, but like... You don't swing a weapon with your hands in front of you where they would have had to be for that cut to make sense. You would have been winding back or something. It just doesn't... Yeah, it would have to be an overhead swing. Like, wait, you you running at him like you're pushing a shopping cart?
0: Yeah, like I'm saying, it would have to be an overhand swing, and on, like, the downswing, Sam would have had to shuffle to... Brad's left and then lop his arms off from that angle. That's the only way that would make sense. Hmm. Um, a still living Amani appears from the shadows. You think she would have tried to like help, but no. She catches up with Jamie and says she was playing dead the whole time. It. That must have been the shittiest stake pit ever. Because she goes right into the middle of that thing. This movie is now fully off the rails. Yeah, it is. Uh, Sam catches up to them and they barricade themselves in a tool shed. They arm themselves with a shovel and when Sam eventually gets inside, they knock him down and lock him in. In no time, it seems, Sandra, the mask has come off and Sam's back. He tries to explain that the mask is the culprit and he, he himself needs both of them to stay alive so he can too. Because if they're both living, then there's no final girl. And he won't be killed. Now, I, I like his reasoning; there obviously flawed for horror tropes, but the way he delivered his lines in this scene fully convinced me that at some point he needs to play Shaggy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> I if mean, he had the look, look down to go, in Cabin in the Woods. Exactly, and that was definitely an homage to the character. But seeing, like, knowing now that you've seen him master the look and he can do the voice, give me that, I don't care who else you cast in the rest of that movie, that will be my favorite Scooby-Doo movie of all time. Uh, Sam calls Chuck so she can explain to the girls what's happening. And we get some great dialogue, I love, (laughs) of Chuck saying, I called the sheriff near town. And Sam responds, you did? Great. Chuck's like, yeah, I left a voicemail. He's like, oh, God, he should just retire. (laughs) it's
1: It's a nice little callback.
0: Yeah. Uh, a- again, most of the enjoyment I think both of us are getting from this movie is in the, the bits of dialogue that overall are pretty meaningless. Um, Sam breaks down the situation. Uh, he cannot... Oh, sorry. Chuck breaks it down. Uh, Sam cannot resist the max power. The girls run into the woods as Sam kicks through the wall of the shed and pursues. Uh, interesting here that Imani turns on Jamie because she needs to be the final girl in order to survive. Uh, I didn't like this at all. I I like Jamie's response, which is smash her in the face of the shovel and decapitate her while she's on the ground, completely out of character, which makes no sense, but there's no way we could have predicted that coming.
1: It's at this point where I'm like, Oh, Jamie planted the mask. She's like a descendant of the one girl that survived or something. So I'm thinking too too much about this.
0: Well, this is just another example of where your hope failed you. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) You can't... No, I'm not going to leave it at that. You can't dig into some of these movies, as we've discovered. Because once you do, you can't stop watching it with a critical eye. There's no way. You can't just sit back and enjoy it.
1: The thing is, I really wanted something like in... So I married an axe murderer.
0: Where what,
1: we like I, later you wanted a good put the, movie in it. Um, no, um, where we later found out that it wasn't who we thought it was. You know, there's yeah. a lot of convenient cuts where, uh, say, going back to earlier when the kayak king is killed and the mask falls to the ground. We don't know why it comes off, but there's like a delay before you see uh, Sam kind of almost emotionless, expressionless, pick it up and put it in his backpack, right? I'm like, this is where the writing has to be so clever that we find out that he's been manipulated the whole time. And no, no, we don't get that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the title alone too, if you if you change the movie a bit, much like you were just saying, uh, the, the title of You Might Be the Killer implies yeah, you might be, but you're in a group of camp counselors where everybody might be the killer. So having that that twist that, oh, he actually wasn't the killer not only works with the story, but the title also plays into it and makes a bit more sense.
1: Well, you have to do it one of two ways. One, you have to either subvert expectations and have it be that it wasn't him all along Mm -hmm. or play up the not knowing that it's him for much longer into the movie because that title has me going into it thinking – There's gonna be some sort of twist,
0: and there just isn't. It's completely misleading, and is only like it appears in the in the script for sure. Okay, used once by Chuck, but for the viewer watching a movie called "You Might Be the Killer," and then finding in like five minutes into the runtime, no, no, he is the killer. You are the killer.
1: Yeah, it happens
0: way too early. Yeah. Um. Jamie asks Chuck what to do next and Chuck regretfully tells her that she has to kill Sam. Um, more great acting here from Kranz. Kranz? Kranz. Seeing Imani's <laughs> body brings him back somehow and he forcibly removes the mask planning to bury it at the woodcarver's grave in hope of stopping the curse. Um, what do you think about him removing the mask here? Nope.
1: nope. I'm not accepting that the power of love overcame the mask.
0: No me neither. I do love seeing him try and pry it off with the machete though that looked badass
1: yes, and it's that also works so well because it doesn't work yeah right um, but no,
0: no um Sam encounters Jamie who reluctantly agrees to help uh, at the grave the mask compels Jamie to put it on because Sam wants nothing to do with it he won't even look at it he just wants her to bury it quickly. Um, Now possessed, Jamie kills Sam with the blade. Sam's phone rings and Jamie answers, telling Chuck that it's all over and hangs up. She walks away from the grave, keeping the mask in her possession. Sam's phone immediately rings again, but with no one there to answer it, it goes to voicemail, and we hear the sheriff finally returning Sam's call. I kind of like how it was a setup for us to think Oh no, the sheriff's too late. He's responding too late. He was going to come, but he plays Sam's call off as just a bad joke. So he was never going to show up anyway, looking into it a little too much, but I, I, I kind of like that. And yeah, I still wonder how much they paid him for this cameo. We'll keep David. Um, Cut to two years later, Sandro. Chuck is working her shift at Rings of Saturn. She answers the ringing phone and smiles to herself when she hears the panic voice of Sam, who has now come back from the dead. Cut the black, roll credits. So that was a movie. Mm hmm. Uh, okay, you said throughout how much you hate the ending, but now you just sound angry.
1: It really does ruin the entirety of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I was enjoying it, and I was intrigued, and I was curious. Yes, part of it might have been my hope ruining it for me by making me believe that there was going to be some sort of twist here. But I wasn't disliking the movie despite its flaws Mm -hmm. until the ending sequence of events. I think as soon as Amani turns on Jamie, everything after that is just
0: garbage and ruins what
1: was, in my opinion, a fantastic premise...
0: Yeah, I mean, going into it, you see the names Fran Kranz, Allison Hannigan. It's a horror comedy, interesting premise. I found after the first third, I started questioning if this was actually good. And then I started questioning it more and more as the movie went on. And then, yeah, by the end, it was pretty rough.
1: I genuinely think that any sort of twist ending, whether it was... Chuck had set it up, or Chuck shows up like you had said, or Jamie had set it up, or hell, even Drew had put the whole thing into motion. Just something would have made it better.
0: Yeah. There are a lot of different ways that you could improve upon this movie. And honestly, they should have. You don't put the viewers in the eyes of the killer like
1: this and actually build hope that he's going to somehow overcome it or anticipation for it to just end on such a flat note where it's like, yeah, all right, exactly what Chuck said happened and he's dead and
0: that's it. Right? Like, and the biggest slap in the face with that ending for me anyway, is how we just see Sam's corpse laying face down, eyes open. And you're like, well, this is a comedy by far one of the best performers in this horror comedy. Seeing his lifeless body there was such a fucking downer. It, it really did feel like a slap in the face to anybody who was supposed to enjoy it. Yeah.
1: He he carried this
0: movie. I, not
1: alone. Okay. But he did the heavy lifting.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. You cannot deny that. That the majority of screen time he had to and he did a great job. Um, let's, um, let's talk money. I'm curious to think, like looking at what this movie presented us, right, like star power, if you want to call it that setting, like even the times it was filmed, there's a lot of day for night here. So I feel like they didn't really have to film for that long. Cause the, for the most part, this really does take place over a single night. What do you think the budget for this movie is? I can't imagine. It's very high. Um,
1: there's minimal effects. Uh-huh.
0: Uh,
1: the mask is just a piece of garbage wood,
0: for Christ's sakes. Um, horrible set pro- set design, horrible props, yeah. I mean, they used a real camp, so they didn't have to build any of that stuff. Two million? Uh, less, actually. Uh,
1: 1.35. My first guess was one million. I should have stuck with it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think they really needed that much money for the result that we got. So I'm guessing Hannigan and Kranz just had, you know, a high price. That's, that's all I can really think of here. Um, and the worst part is we, we, we just don't know how much it made. Cause I do-
1: can't imagine that it even made
0: back its money. I n- no, I don't think so
1: I don't even why today's day and age that is a nothing budget even still
0: well especially with no theatrical release and like I said it went right to streaming after that before being released on home media uh the dvd and blu-ray sales at least domestically brought in 650,000 but I don't know what the digital distribution deal was sometimes they're quite good especially for exclusivity um and I mean, you can sell it to different platforms in different regions, right, and still make a lot of money. But I, I don't know. I feel safe to say that it it didn't even come close to breaking even.
1: Yeah, no, I I can't imagine hopping. And, into, and I, I hate to say this, and I'm gonna say it, even though it's mean. It didn't deserve to make
0: back its budget. That that is quite harsh. I I will disagree on that point. But, uh, hey, making movies is a gamble now. Yeah. Uh, as far as reviews go, um, I think they're probably going to be a little bit better than you expect, but they're not great.
1: So uh, for no, IMDB,
0: this, this is going to be mid all the way through.
1: My guess for all of them is 50.
0: Uh, no, roughly, but uh, IMDb is 5.9. Um, the critics over Rotten Tomatoes, pretty much the same with 60%. It's the audience score of Rotten Tomatoes that got me at 47. I would have expected them to be probably the highest. But uh, we've already discussed there are multiple issues with this movie, so it is what it is. Um, hop into awards. You betcha. So, least so
1: who did you have for your least favorite character?
0: Uh, I-, I want to first state that this is not least favorite performance it's character <laughs> okay and I'm gonna go with Imani played by Brittany hall okay um she was fantastic in the movie like she was great but we're not supposed to like her at n- almost no point were we supposed to be on her side and it that was just very clear for me and that's how it came out great job on her part but uh, least favorite, just straight up, you. Same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had her written down, and um, I kind of tipped my, showed my hand a little bit earlier. I don't think that anybody really had a bad performance per se. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is based on the character. But the Imani character, it's like you play dead to come back and then turn on Jamie. Like, just this character is just so stupid. Yeah, like I don't, I don't get the motivations for this character. You play dead, just get out of there.
0: Well, <laughs> like, this it's covered uh, at the scene that we spoke about, where the the counselors are being introduced. She is all about her, and doesn't care about anybody else. So why is she going back then? Because to hide in the pit until the
1: coast is clear, and then get out of there.
0: Yeah, well, they're twenty five miles away.
1: I don't care. <laughs> I'm taking those chances over what's going on in there. Yeah, it
0: doesn't take long to walk 25 miles.
1: Um, and and let's be honest, you don't need to make it 25 miles to get away from the killer. You just need to get far enough to get away from them. They yep. lose sight of you, then you have the time to make the rest of the journey. Exactly.
0: Uh, favorite character? Ah, oh, Come on, do you even need to ask? Well, I think we have different ones.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, well, for me, it's Frank Kranz as Sam because he's amazing in everything he does here.
0: Uh, Best performance in the film, no doubt. I mean, we've never seen him do a bad job. We've actually never seen him do a less than excellent job before.
1: Fair enough. I think I was leaning more towards the performance than the character in this one.
0: Yeah. But it's
1: because of the performance that made me want to see more of this character.
0: Yeah. Um, before I get into my favorite character, with the ending of the movie that we got, that like two years later, would you want to see a sequel to this movie? No, nope. yeah, me neither. Which sucks, right? Like bring yep. back Fran Kranz and Allison Hannigan in another horror comedy. Normally, I should want that.
1: I would have no faith in them doing that well. Yeah, not the not the performers, but have no faith in the filmmakers making that sequel. At all, any better.
0: It's too broken. Um, But yeah, of course, my favorite character is Chuck. Played by Allison Hannigan. No, I'm not surprised. I mean, you take the Randy Meeks character, make them Allison Hannigan, and add humor to it? Fuck, I'm sold. That's great. Yeah. So that shouldn't surprise anybody. Good old predictable Ben. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Hey, I can't argue it. She's clearly second best performance in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and I don't even know if I'd say second best. I mean, like like one A, one B, right? Yeah, that's fair.
0: I it, I I could go with that, I guess.
1: But I'm not even remotely surprised that you picked her because <laughs> nobody yeah. should.
0: No. Uh, what did you have for your favorite or most memorable line? Um, of course, it's an exchange between Chuck and Sam. And it's where they're trying to figure out who the killer is and what the motive might be. And she's just going through a list of them and you're getting his random, like quick witted reactions. Um, It was the second one. She's like, or is it a parent who's looking for revenge after a counselor let their kid drown? And immediately Sam's like, Jesus, I hope not. (laughs) It's great. Like uh, he has made me laugh repeatedly in this film. Mm -hmm. And it's all timing.
1: You? Uh, I also had an exchange between the two of them, but the line actually goes to Chuck being the one to deliver it. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, much earlier in the movie, but when Sam says, everyone is dead, or almost everyone, and then Chuck says, whoa, I mean, that sometimes happens, especially the camp counselors. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such a good, like, tap the nose moment but it's also delivered
0: really well. Yeah. It's just good. Yeah. You can tell who the seasoned performers are in this movie. Yeah. Um, memorable scene.
1: So for me, it is the scene where Chuck is explaining the final girl concept to uh, Sam, just before he tries to jump and stomp on the mask itself. But yeah, when she's going over, you know how it's going to be Jamie, cause it's the purist and he's, well, do they, does the killer ever get away? And she's like, no, (laughs) like (laughs) just exchange is fantastic. And she's even like, what did you do all those times where we're spending thousands of like horror movie viewings, like not paying attention type thing. It's like, (laughs) again, it's also alluding to this relationship they had, which they don't investigate far enough. It has both of their charisma and
0: their chemistry there. It's just a phenomenal scene. Yeah, it's it is it good. You could tell it too. It is a scenario where it's like two longtime friends, where one obviously has a crush on the other one, and the other one is completely oblivious to the scenario. Um, Although that element is pointless if you're not going to investigate
1: it further. But
0: yep, agreed. It it one of many problems we've already talked about. That one And um, yours uh, is also a major problem in the movie, and it's okay. a, a scene we talked about. Um from the very beginning. Well not the beginning, I guess it was slightly in. It's the character introductions at the camp. Okay. The counselors. Yeah. Like this is an amazing setup, which made me believe we we're watching a very competent horror comedy, and like they actually value characters, and these characters have traits that are gonna play off of each other throughout the rest of the film, or as long I, as as far as they make wrong. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wrong. And I think it's made more memorable because not only is it a really good scene, but the punch in the gut when you realize they're not going to do anything with it makes me wish the rest of the movie was this strong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely starts strong. It has, in my opinion, a fantastic premise, but they just trip over the finish line so badly.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All right, Ben, final thoughts on this movie.
0: Uh, oh, God, where to begin on that? Um, most of what makes the movie great is what I said before, non-essential dialogue and quips between the characters. And there's even a few with it, with the, um, the secondary characters as well. Um, I mean, it's a masked killer at a summer camp. The plot's been done to death. Um, but here we get you know, a minuscule twist, which is at least they tried something original. Um, but their acting is solid throughout. Uh, The kills, for the most part, are pretty fun. I would have liked to have seen some of that $1.35 million go into some better special effects. Um, What else? Uh, Crans and Hannigan together. Uh, Something I never knew I wanted, but now I want more of it, just not a follow-up to this. (laughs) Uh, uh, With movies like this, they should be easy to be made to look good. Like, you look at a a bunch of the early, like, summer camp horror films. They look great. And with next to no money. This film doesn't look good. The color looks unintentionally washed out. And I know they used, like, day for night a few times. But it kind of adds to my feeling that this film was always going to be an underdog release. And, like, no one expected it to be amazing. And it's not. Like, it's fun. But I feel like they knew they fucked up some point along production and they're just like well we're contractually obliged to finish it Um, now having said that I do think that it's weaknesses outnumber it's strengths but the quality of those strengths is fantastic so I will forgive a lot of the issues I have with this movie because the moments I was having fun I was having a lot of fun so when it comes to recommendations I, I no fucking way I would recommend this movie to a hardcore horror fan But for anybody who, you know, from time to time will dabble in horror comedy, um, they would probably have fun with it. So yeah, I could recommend it to some people, just not anybody who's legit grounded in horror because they will hate this. Uh, You? I
1: can't recommend this movie. It commits the cardinal sin to me. You you do a bad ending and you've ruined everything before it. Um, If you really want to see the performances... I guess there's some good ones in there, but the movie just feels so long for what it is. And I mean, recently we've done movies where they flew by and this just feels like a chore to sit through. And that's, that's in spite of these fantastic performances. I just can't recommend it. You watch the ending and you feel like it just didn't respect your time for the last hour and a half.
0: Yeah. And that that kind of makes me wonder too about the lack of theatrical release. Can you imagine the producers sending screening copies to any theater chains being like, would you be interested in showing this on two or 300 of your screens? And they just respond with no,
1: no, no, it, 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 I hate, I hate to say it, but like, it just doesn't respect your time.
0: Yeah. It, it can be tough at times. It can definitely be tough. If you watch it without a critical eye, you can be like, "Well, I guess it was okay. There were some really funny moments, but it's not the best thing I've ever seen." And yeah, you I'm go into
1: like, I'm confident the ending would have gotten me, regardless if I was watching it with a critical eye or not.
0: Entirely possible.
1: Yeah, so,
0: but you're a very critical person.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this one just didn't get it for me. I guess. Uh, yeah, And that's fine. I mean, they're not all they're not all going to win. I mean, you, you suggested when you recommended it that it wasn't going <laughs> to hit.
0: So. And see, yes, the reason why, I <laughs> thank you for reminding me, the reason why I picked this movie is because I knew once you looked into it that you were going to be excited for it. I knew this would cause some decent conversation because this movie should be a fucking banger and it, it, it just isn't. So it goes to show that you can have a strong cast, some decent writing, a bit of money, and still make a real rough film. Yep. But I'm making up for it next week. All right.
1: That being said, next week is our third year,
0: or at least the start of
1: it. So I'm I'm hoping that you're going to pick a good one.
0: Well, yeah, I did. Uh, Do you want to ask me, or am I just going to get into it? I'm so afraid to, but what are we watching next week? We're starting off season three, year three, with an actual legit comedy. And we're going to return to somebody that we had fun talking about previously. Because next week we are talking 1994's In the Army Now. (laughs) Paulie Shore brought history to life in California
1: Man. He got a taste of life on the farm in The Son-in-Law. It, ah! Now, he's about to put his life on the line.
0: Ah! Pauly Shore is in the Army now. You will obey every order, grunt.
1: Uh. He's getting into shape. Ah! Oh! Can I please throw up now? Learning special skills. Drop the pin, throw the grenade and proving the last thing the Army needs Let's go bust some scuds! is a loose cannon.
0: Suck on this a one time! Sorry. Drop! Hey, give me push-ups! All the way up and down, right?
1: Hollywood Pictures presents Pauly Shore Ow! In the Army Now. Can I call you General Sweet Pants? <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Until next week. Have a good one.
0: All the best.